Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. You know, some people say food is fuel. Well, it's not just fuel. It's a lot of things. It's family. It's social time. It's enjoyment. It's comfort. It's whatever. It's connection. But sometimes food is fuel. And sometimes like eating hard-boiled egg whites is what's going to make you feel good when you get home from your travels and you say I did actually a pretty good job I feel pretty good going back into my regular schedule like that's okay it's okay to do that stuff Hey everyone Meredith here you're listening to the Afternoon Snack podcast on today's episode Alex is going to take a little quiz specifically the New York Times what do you know about protein quiz, which maybe you've seen, maybe you've taken it, maybe you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, but we are going to use that as the catalyst and the launching off point to talk about one of our favorite topics, which is protein, as well as fiber and a few other things and what we think about the average American protein intake and how much you should be having. We're going to talk about how much we have and how we get it in. And yeah, we're going to have a little fun on this one too. So we'll get right into it. We are officially in 2024, like not fake in 2024. We recorded this podcast two weeks prior. So today is January 3rd, a date in 2024. We made it. It's touch and go there for a minute. It was touch and go. <laughs> was it? No, I guess not. I mean, the holiday break is hard. It was a little on the tough yeah, side. Yeah, I definitely didn't have a great day on New Year's Eve. No. Why? When we tried to ski and there was no snow and we couldn't see anything. Yeah, uh, that wasn't the best. No. So sorry so about I that. So I guess it was touch and go that day before. I almost didn't make it. Yeah. So what was your number one moment of 2023? Oh, man. There's so many moments, but I think like the big thing that happened was moving to Fernie. And not just that, but selling our Calgary house for a profit. Yes. That yeah. was awesome because like we never bought the house to sell like with an idea we would sell it. I mean, I think you did, but I was like, no, we're living here forever. Well, you also have no idea. I mean, we bought it in 2020. I don't think we had any inclination on what the housing market was going to do, specifically Calgary, which I think was like was or is like the number one. It's like the hottest market in Canada for but a while. There so, was a while there where like the market wasn't good. Yeah. But I mean... I think we were already thinking of moving to Fernie full time and then the Calgary market just kept getting better and better and better. So it was like, well, if you have a second house to sell in Calgary, now would be a really good time to do it. So we did it. We bought like right before the boom. Yeah. During COVID. Yeah. I mean, we bought our house like for list price and no one was really doing that at that time, but we really liked it. Yeah. And then if you recall, like everything just started selling like it became a seller's market, yeah. I guess. Is that right? Yeah, things were selling for over list. So you just had to guess. You're like, how much over list do I need to write this offer? And so. it was pretty great. We were like going back and forth between Calgary and Fernie. And then we were spending more time in Fernie. And then we got our property tax bills both on the same week. And because we weren't paying monthly, we were paying yearly. Just fine. And that was 
not fun to that was both like the, have to pay like big property tax bills and then we were like what are we doing yeah. and also we paid them late because when we got back to calgary and checked our mail the time to pay the bills had passed we were in fernie all summer and then we got back to calgary which is where the tax bills go and it was like oh you're one day late so yeah. that'll be an additional 10 percent on both of them Brutal. that was horrible so anyways we had to pay a bunch of money and then I think that was when we were like, should we sell our Calgary house? Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. There was no need for us to be in Calgary half the time or any of the time. So when we sold. Yeah. So what was your, so moving to Fernie was the highlight. What was the lowest point in 2023? I mean, there were a lot of low points, but the one that's popping out on this front is learning what amortization was. (laughs) Oh, Oh my gosh. Learning that we didn't make as much of a profit as I thought. Like I was doing basic math. Let me paint the picture here. The year is 2023. You own a house in the hottest housing market in the country. You decide to sell the house. You get a, like well over your list price. You get seven offers. Was get, it? I thought it was more than seven. No, we had seven. Okay. Seven offers. Really good offers. Like take it the, sold in two days. Take the highest one. And you're looking, you're like, man, that is a lot more than we paid for it. And like conditions are removed in a week. It's good to go. On the closing week, the paralegal from the real estate law office sends the financial documents showing where the deposit went. This is this. This is how much is going to the realtor, yada, yada, yada. And you, as Alex Parker, you look at it and you go, no, no. I'm like, all right, lawyer docs. I got this. I'm a lawyer. And I'm like doing the calculations on my phone computer, on my phone phone calculator. (laughs) I'm doing the calculations. I'm pretty sure I had a napkin that I was writing things down on. This was napkin math. It was napkin math. And I'm like, the basic math isn't reflecting in the documents the lawyer sent. So then she's like, Meredith, you have to come over and look at this. I'm feeling I was probably working on it for like an hour. Yeah. So she's like, I just, like, everyone makes mistakes. You know, you got to double check other people's work to make yeah. sure you're getting what you are due, especially lawyers. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. So, you don't know what's going on out there. She's like, you got to look at this. It's just, it's not making any sense. Like I know what I'm looking at. It's not making any sense. So I look at the documents. I'm like, Hey, so there's the deposit. Da, 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 da. Okay. There's the commission. Yeah. This makes sense. What's the problem? She's like, look, look, just, just, just look, just look she gets her phone out the calculator and she's like rage bashing numbers she was like this is our mortgage this is what we pay every month punches it in this is how many months we paid this it. is how many months i paid times this she's like look that number is different than that number it was like 33 percent short and which i was, was like, like many thousands of dollars it was yeah i mean it was a lot and I was like, hey, but what like interest rates, Alex? Hello. She's like, our interest rate is super low. It's 1.8. <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, do no, you? I was starting to get more mad because you were explaining the numbers to me without me, I guess, in hindsight, without knowing where I was going wrong. So you kept saying like, no, these are the numbers. This is how it works. But well, you're just showing you how it was calculated. And that was making me more mad because I had my own calculations. Yeah, because it was showing like balance remaining on mortgage. And you're like, that's wrong. That number should be lower yeah, anyway, because we paid anyway. more. Anyways, and that's when I was like, do you happen to know what the word amortization means? And I think you sat there and you're like, no. 
I was like, okay. And you know what? I said no with confidence. You did. Because it is okay to not know things. Yeah, especially like even when not knowing something means that in your head, you just lost a giant sum of money. This was the day that Alex learned that the banks always win. Yeah. And that you pay more interest yeah. early in a mortgage than you do later in a mortgage. Yeah. You pay the interest yeah. down That first. was a good lesson to learn. Yeah. Especially as I like start to potentially buy like more houses or like another house down the line that's more expensive than this that's one. That's why you got to know that when you're looking at houses yeah. at like 7 to 8% interest, yeah. you don't want to do that. Or even 1.8% interest. Well, 1.8, that was about as good as it gets. I know, but it still wasn't a good deal for us. It was a better deal than it could have been. I know that, but it still wasn't a good deal. Anyways, I had such mixed emotions in that moment because I felt bad because I'm like, you're probably experiencing what feels like an actual loss. I was like, we're poor. (laughs) And then I was like, are you an idiot? (laughs) Yeah, I did feel like I had been fooled. Yeah. But really, I was just the fool. You didn't take a real estate law class anywhere in there? <laughs> you know what's sad is I did. Oh. I did. You did? But I think in my defense, I think a lot of that was like, I mean, I don't know. I was so traumatized through law school just from being in law school and potentially becoming a lawyer that I don't Blacked remember out. anything. Yeah. There are some people who DM me and ask me law questions and I'm like, don't. Don't do don't. that. I say no. Yeah. I'm a nutrition coach. Yeah. I'm a business owner. Like I know some things I could probably look things up and it will come back quickly. Yeah. But I can't. I just don't ask me. Well, I think that's what lawyers are really good at. Right. Like looking things up and understanding like precedent, understanding contracts, understanding how to apply like existing knowledge to new scenarios. I think they're just they're really good at like doing things by the book. Yeah. I mean, arguably, I should know that. But you know what? Not everybody is perfect. No. I mean, I'm not all knowing. I am. But not everyone can be me. No. Anyways, that made me laugh. You, you also have no idea what we're having for dinner tonight. I think we talked about takeout or beef. Yeah. But I would say that was maybe a high moment for me because it was so hilarious. But again, mixed emotions, right? Anyways, the New York Times. I regretted buying all of the things that I bought after we sold that house. <laughs> Gotta return it. Gotta return everything. The New York Times released a I love I love when publications post about nutrition because it's either really, really good or it's really, really bad. I won't give this away. But the New York Times recently posted a protein quiz titled Test Your Protein Knowledge. And I thought it would be a fun experiment for you to do the quiz on air. I could do it again, but I've done it. So but you haven't done it. So are you up for that? No. Why? Because I already admitted that I'm dumb. Well, and I don't want to come off as even more and not dumb. Look, lacking look, look. knowledge. I took this and I got some wrong. Okay. So don't worry. Okay. There's 11 questions. It won't take long. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Question number one. What is protein? Your options are meat, fish, or tofu, a complex molecule made up of sugars, a complex molecule made up of amino acids, the main way the body stores energy. C. That's correct. Oh, <sighs> although that was kind of a trick question because A could have been the answer, right? Yeah. I mean, look, like we, we're getting pretty 
Anyway, I mean, it's I technical. Move on, move on. Yeah, by strictest definition. Yes. Then this is like, they get you, right? It's who wants to be a millionaire, kind of. They're going to try is, to trick you. It is, it is. Yeah, you don't Do have any- Do I get like any of the who wants to be a millionaire- like, lifelines? lifelines? You don't get any lifelines. Oh. I mean, you can phone a friend, but- I'm the only one here and you have the animals. I could. What if I actually phoned a friend? You want to phone a friend? I might. Okay. I might need to. All right. True or false? Most Americans get more than enough protein in their diets. False. You're going to go with false? Well, I don't know. That's a hard question. What is this? Look, we'll get to it because enough? this is going to be sort of the crux of the podcast. Okay. Okay. Let's say I'm going to say yes because the recommended dietary protein intake is low yes so yes they're okay. getting enough yes true that's what this and again we don't i'm not going to give away yeah, yeah. our stance yeah, let's move on but true it says on average people in the u.s consume plenty of protein plenty plenty so scientific all right question number three according to the u.s nutrition guidelines about how much protein does a 185 pound adult need each day 39 grams 49 grams 67 grams, 73 grams, 85 grams. And yes, Seriously? 85 is the highest. <laughs> hmm. Need for bait. According well, to I'm the gonna US. Say, I'm going to go 40, 49. 49. Incorrect. Uh, 67, 67. Dang it. Grams. Dang it. I was going to say 67. What might increase a person's protein needs? Being pregnant or breastfeeding? having an illness or injury, training for a marathon, lifting weights several times per week, or all of the above. All of the above. That is correct. Nailed it. Question so number I'm three five. out of four. That was number five. So you're four out of five. Four out of five. But like, I don't know. You got that one wrong. And then you went which, back. Which one? The one that you said false. And then you're like, no, never mind. True. No, no. That wasn't my final answer. Oh, okay. So I should start asking if it's your final answer, <laughs> yeah. is that your final answer? Okay. Question number five. And I want that noise too. I can they see. play in, you know. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. That one? Yeah. Okay. I'll see if I can find it. Which two of the following groups are least likely to get enough protein? Toddlers, athletes, teenage boys, teenage girls, adults age 71 and older. You get to pick two. Adults, 71 and older. Okay. And teenage babies? Teenage teenage babies was not an option. Okay. You have toddlers, okay, so athletes, have teenage boys, athletes, teenage girls. Athletes. Athletes. Incorrect. You were adult 71 and older. Okay. Yes, correct. It was teenage girls. Really? Yep. On average, how much of the protein assumed by Americans comes from animal-based foods? One third, one half, two thirds, three quarters. Three quarters. Three quarters, she says. Incorrect two thirds, but like that's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. I would have picked two thirds if not for three quarters. Yeah. Being an option. Question number seven. True or false? You can only pick one. You can meet all of your protein needs with plant based foods alone. I need to phone a friend. All right, then. I'm calling Lindsay. Okay. I'm calling Lindsay Martin. What's the question? True or false? You can meet oh, all of your. Hello? Hey. Lindsay, we're recording a podcast right now and I'm taking a quiz and I'm using my phone a friend lifeline. <laughs> okay. Okay, so Meredith is going to tell you what the question is. True or false? You can meet all of your protein needs with plant-based foods alone. Uh, true. Is that your final answer? Yeah. 
That is correct. It is a common myth that plant-based foods are missing important amino acids, but this isn't true. And most people can meet their daily protein requirements with plant-based foods alone. I mean, I knew it. I just wanted to give you some airtime. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope you're having a good day. Thanks. I'm just about to walk the dogs. Oh, have a good walk. Say hi to our audience. I will. Hi, everybody. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Well, that came in handy. I probably struck fear in Lindsay's heart by cold calling her. Yeah. Because I don't cold call anybody. Should do Meg next. <laughs> we she have, would literally answer the phone crying. We have three questions left, so I'll give you another lifeline okay. if you need it. Okay. True or false? Protein powder supplements can help you build muscle even if you don't do strength training as exercises. Oh my gosh. These are hard. Life requires some like muscle. Talk through it as much as you need to. <laughs> You're still providing a stimulus to the muscle by living your life. Yeah, in theory. Yeah. So I want to say yes. You're going to go with true? Yeah. They say false. They say to build muscle, you need strength training, like lifting weights or doing push-ups or squats. But that's, that's look, part of life. Look, it's the New York Times. It's not a definitive... <laughs> resource on protein we're just having a little fun here okay we'll talk okay. about it all right okay i don't like being wrong number nine which of the following foods has the most protein oh geez one cup of cottage cheese two hard-boiled eggs one cup of milk or one can of tuna one can of tuna has like 20 grams okay yeah one was it one cup of cottage cheese yep but didn't specify fat percentage, which seems like a sort of egregious omission. Probably 2%. Or 4%. Yeah. I want to say cottage cheese. You're going to go with cottage cheese? Yeah. That is correct. Whew. Cottage cheese has 23 grams, but they were trying to trick you because a can of tuna has 22 grams. I knew I was close. Yeah. So That's so unfair. Look, what like, is this test? It's just the New York Times. This is a test, speaking of like school, where like in the exam review, when we all get our exams back and we're going through the questions, this is a test that all the students would be telling the teacher they need to take off the test. This one? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to do that? You got to provide feedback? I think I remember there being like, because in law school, they, they graded on a bell curve, I think. They would. So I think that kind of normalized a lot of these types of questions like if the questions were unfair and like a lot of people got it wrong they would just be like oh yeah just take it off but it depended on the professor okay let's get back on track shall sure. we question number 10 which of the following foods has the least protein two tablespoons of peanut butter two slices of bacon half cup of cooked lentils two slices of whole wheat bread honestly it might be bacon do you want to go but bacon? But I, I want to say bacon because I feel like they're trying to trick me. Bacon, final answer. Bacon's like mostly fat. Let's go with bacon. Bacon is correct. Nailed Five it. Five grams. I'm getting a like we hate meat vibe from this quiz. I think what they're doing is they're trying to like prove a point. Yeah. Like they're basically trying to be like, we're smarter than you. You don't know as much about protein. You think protein's only meat, but it's not. Ha. Yeah. You should eat more, not meat. Yeah. Okay, we'll keep going. I bet you the person who wrote this article is biased. Maybe they're vegan. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't know how to figure that out, but... Okay, question number 11. This is the final one. 
for all the bananas. Some experts recommend eating at least 20 grams of protein at breakfast. And by some experts, they obviously mean us. <laughs> I actually um, recommend more than I would one. recommend like double that. So yeah, at least 20 grams, more like 40. Come on now. Which of the following meals would hit that target? Select all that apply. Oh my goodness, this is tough. Two slices of whole wheat toast and orange juice. False, no. Two slices of bacon and two fried eggs. Two eggs, a slice of white toast and a cup of milk. <laughs> One cup, you should be, as we go along. I know, just... no to the first one. Okay. The second one was two eggs and two pieces of toast. Two slices of bacon and two fried eggs. So an egg has seven, right? Six or seven, depending on the egg. Does it specify? Probably not. No. Okay, so six or seven grams per egg. Let's call it seven, that's 14. Okay, is there three grams of protein and a piece of bacon? It's two slices of bacon. I want to say yes. Prior question, five grams of protein. Oh, remember? in each... It, for two slices of bacon. Oh, so it wouldn't make it. No. That would be like 19. Well, let's see if they contradict themselves, okay. shall we? Okay, 19 grams, so I'm going to say no. Okay. The second one had toast added. Well, and that's the third one. Two eggs, slice of white toast, and a cup of milk. White toast probably doesn't have much. Two eggs. I want to say yes. Okay. Is it fair life milk? I don't know, Alex. <laughs> we'll find out. One cup of Greek yogurt with blueberries. No. Oh, actually, yeah, I think there's 20 grams in a cup of Greek yogurt. Okay. Tofu scramble with black beans and salsa. Does it indicate amount? No. <laughs> it's like the worst question of all time. <laughs> if you get this. I'm going to just say yes. Because like they're on the plant-based yeah. agenda. Yeah. So they're trying to prove a point. A blueberry muffin and black coffee. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, what kind of muffin is it? Did we make it with like Kodiak Is mix? it Meg's protein muffins? Because the answer, and is it giant? Because it could be yes. Yeah. And like coffee's a bean. I bet you and there's actually quite a few grams of protein in those Costco muffins. Probably because they're like the size of your head. <laughs> All right. So right and now we, we have they're three. They're delicious. We have three selected. Okay. Would you like me to submit that? Okay. So we have the yogurt. We have the Greek yogurt. We have two eggs, white toast, cup of milk, tofu scramble. And the rest are no. Okay. Yes. Unless they contradict themselves, which we'll find yes. out shortly. Let's do it. Submit. You got it. I did. You got it. Wow. Yeah. I actually do know what I'm doing. Yeah, that was pretty All good. All my clients are like, okay, fine. We'll stay with her. Yeah. So your score is 6.5 out of 11, which I feel like you did better than that. I feel like I did too. Anyways, I don't know that they actually do a good job. I don't think they scored that correctly. I guess so. Because I, yeah, that's right. I did submit the answer that you changed. So technically it should be like... One point higher. So that's like 7.5 rounds up to 8, 8 out of 11. Yeah. That's pretty good. It says most Americans, especially those who eat a lot of meat, dairy, and eggs, get more protein than their body needs. And Some 11 people, was probably a bonus. Yeah. So really, it, I got 9 out of 10. You did. So we'll call it 9 out of 10. You know what I was thinking the other 11. day before we move on to the protein? Mm -hmm. I was thinking on the chairlift how happy I am that even though my job can be stressful at times, I'm glad I don't actually ever have to take tests anymore. Oh, I wasn't a bad test taker. Yeah. But I did find them very stressful. You know what you would have found really stressful? Problem sets. <laughs> that was stressful. Did you ever see the meme that was like me taking a test? And it was like, question one, skip. And then it's like, question two, based on your answer from question one. <laughs> and then it's like, question three. Yeah. Based on your answers from question one and two. <laughs> you're like, nope, nope. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't ever have those. That's when you just feel like 
just leaving the room. Yes. So this says at the end, I'll read this blurb, for pretty much everyone, limiting red meats and processed meats and eating more beans, nuts, and whole grains will help balance your diet, benefit your health, and reduce the environmental footprint of your food. And variety is key. Luckily, we have so many tasty ways to meet our protein needs. Well, not if you live in Canada, but it does seem like the overall goal of the quiz was to promote lower meat consumption and more plant-based items, which I'll say, sometimes people ask me like, what do I think of plant-based eating? I think the best, like if I were to say this is the best diet pattern, it's plant-based, like vegetarian plus lean protein. I think that's I think pescatarian is probably what I would go for if I had to do some sort of dietary manipulation. Yeah. If yeah. I had to pick like a described diet, I would probably go pescatarian. Yeah. That's dairy and fish, right? Well, I think dairy, for most people, for most vegetarians, dairy is included. So pescatarian would be vegetarian plus, plus fish. fish. So I would probably do that. I could probably get by without eating meat. Yeah. I'm not like a huge meat person, but I do find it to be very convenient. Yeah. And I find for, I think, at least what I've seen with vegetarians, people who they care about their health and they don't eat meat. So they do have to find a more diverse diet to get protein. But then I also work with people who are quantifying their diets. So I'm sure there are a ton of vegans or vegetarians out there who aren't aware of their protein intake and probably aren't getting enough in yeah. quotes. And by enough, I mean much more than 49 or 67%. <laughs> okay, so the protein guidelines that okay. the New York Times article is referencing, just so everyone knows, were outlined in 1941. So that's the timestamp. The recommended daily intake for a healthy adult, a woman, is 46 grams of protein, 56 for men. So... This article goes on to say most Americans eat about 100 grams per day or roughly twice the recommended amount. Shock and oh, but it goes on to say there has been an increase in interest in American adults in increasing their protein intake. And I think that that is because of all of the research that's coming out on the benefits of higher protein diets, independent of these specific recommendations. So what I find interesting, let's say that uh, those recommendations are true. I think that when people eat ad libitum, unrestricted eating, do you know what the average calorie intake for Americans is right now? If you had to guess off the top of your head per day. 2,600. No. More? Yes. 29. No. More? More. 32. More. What? Okay, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. 35. 36. Wow, I am surprised. But in my defense, (laughs) I'm saying that a lot today. Yeah. I work with a subset of the population who is health aware. Yeah. And even when I see someone eating a lot, it's not necessarily that much. And I think if you're working with the average population of Americans, you're going to get people who are eating fast food and those types of things. Yeah. And many of my clients or our clientele or followers probably aren't doing as frequently. I mean, you think about like big gulps, things that I just don't even think about anymore. 
Yeah. Pop. It's not even sugar. Like I think a lot of people want to go like, look at sugar. But actually, like people are eating 100 grams protein. How much fat are they consuming? Well, Alex, that's where we're going with this. I know. So the (laughs) increase in calorie intake over time, because back in even 1961, the average calorie intake per day for Americans was around 2,700 per day. Yeah. It's quite a bit lower. By the way, France is the next highest. What did I say? 26 originally? I don't know. Maybe 29. I don't Mm. recall. But the increase in like calories really for the world, but certainly the U.S. followed the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. And I feel like everyone knows this or maybe everyone doesn't. Food processing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good things that came out of that. Like obviously industrializing farming reduced starvation, malnutrition, and a lot of populations, death rates went down. Create the internet. We've talked about this, Meredith. Like it's the whole reason why Gwyneth Paltrow even exists. Yeah. So people are like, what did you just say? So anyways, really you're looking at primary and secondary food processing, which existed prior to the Industrial Revolution, although they were more labor intense. And then post-Industrial Revolution, you have tertiary food processing, which is essentially just is kind of making things more convenient, more palatable. You're combining ingredients in ways that isn't, I don't mean to use the word natural, isn't natural. Like you don't see specific, like certain foods combined naturally. So you're looking at cereals, refined sugars, refined oils, and increased fat intake predominantly over the last 100 years. So anyways, let's back up, shall we? So keeping in mind, 3,600 calories, the macronutrient breakdown of the average American diet, what percent do you think comes from carbohydrates? Dang, I really should have read this article. We're on Wikipedia now, so oh, yeah, you're good. Should have read Wikipedia. This Let's is going to be like exactly what you think it should be. Like this shouldn't surprise you at all. What I think it should be? Yeah. How much fat? How much calories percent from carbohydrates? We're going to do carbs first. Oh, 50. It is 50%. Okay. Yeah. So roughly on average, 50% of the typical American diet comes from carbohydrates. What percent do you think comes from protein? Just doing back of the napkin math here. I'm going to say 10%. No, 20. 15%. Okay. Yeah. Right in the middle. Yeah. So and that then, would leave 35. No, I'm just kidding. 35 for from fat. fat. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know what? I'm actually surprised that carbs are as high as they are. Really? I'm not sure why. I think, again, I think it's just this like dialogue about people fearing carbs, but maybe that's just the people who I work with. Well, I do think that there's general population and then there's people who sort of are adjacent to the fitness and health yeah. industry. Yeah. So that's 140 grams per day from a fat on average, yeah, 135 that's... grams of protein. So more fat than protein, like by gram yeah. in the American diet. And these numbers don't match exactly the New York Times article because they're not related, but in the ballpark, right? Like 135, which according to their math is enough. But like 140 grams of fat, that's a lot of fat. And if we're eating most of our protein from animal sources, even chicken, that's a lot of saturated fat. Mm -hmm. And so this is relevant because even though a person might be eating, quote unquote, enough protein, they might be eating a little too many carbohydrates and the saturated fat cutoff, even if someone is eating the right amount of calories, if more than 10% of their calories are coming from saturated fat, that significantly increases the risk of cholesterol problems, of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, 
and the development of diabetes and other chronic diseases. So that's, I think, probably where the New York Times article was going in addition to the sort of reduce your footprint. And I do think that people should be aware of where their protein is coming from and what that's doing to their fat intake. Because you've seen what happens when you give someone a set of macros or you advise them on what to eat and you give them a protein intake that is, you know, according to us and what we know appropriate for them. And then you limit their fat. It's immediately like, well, I don't think I can hit this protein. Because it actually is like challenging and it requires a lot of thought to hit protein goals without just your fat going through the roof, especially if you're an American or Canadian where animal products kind of are in most meals and often the fattier variety of animal products. Yeah. I think a lot of people who come in with little nutrition knowledge are shocked by how much the ratio of fat to protein and things like steak. Yeah. Steak is almost 100% of the time, unless you get a really, really lean cut, more fat than protein. Yeah. So you're ordering steak because it's a source of protein. But really, it's not that different from like peanut butter. Yeah. Like having peanut butter for a protein source. Like, yeah, it has protein in it, but it has a whole lot more fat. Yeah. That just increases calories significantly. Yeah. So where I think people run into issues is when, so that's obviously unrestricted eating. When people start to, let's say, pay a little more attention to their diet, maybe they're trying to lose weight for one reason or the other. That's when you see protein intake really drop. And that's problematic for two reasons. The first is that protein is really like highly satiating. So if you're limiting your calories or you're trying to control your eating, you want to be eating a relatively high protein diet because it's going to make you feel fuller. You want to combine that with fiber and foods that are high in water content. So without protein, you just don't feel as full. It makes dealing with any kind of like diet related hunger really challenging. And then the second thing is when someone makes a concerted effort to lose weight and they don't pay attention to their protein, when you drop protein, especially if you aren't doing, you know, a lot of strength training, your body's going to be like, huh, we're starving because it doesn't know how much body fat you have to lose. And so it's going to start getting rid of muscle tissue because muscle tissue is metabolically demanding. So it's like, you know what? To hell with that. Like we don't want our calorie needs to be super high right now because we're starving. So it's just going to start getting rid of lean mass, which you know, number one, impacts body composition if someone's chasing a weight loss goal in a not good way. And then number two, lean mass is your metabolic currency. Like it's the only way you can control how many calories you burn at rest, which is a byproduct of metabolism. It's not metabolism. So if you start losing lean mass, once you reach a weight loss goal, if you ever do, your calories are proportionally lower than they would be had you kept protein intake higher and done some resistance training. Yeah. And losing muscle mass is not good for the aging population, which is, I guess, all of us, and also for preventing like injury. Yeah. So the average intake for elderly people is 66 grams per day, plus or minus 17 grams per day, which is an enormous range. So that means like you might have someone that is eating, yeah, like 49 grams, 39 grams per day, like as they're aging when sarcopenia is a real risk, like your body is more catabolic than it is in your youth. And so the recommendations for aging people is even higher than active people when they're younger, which is kind of crazy to conceptualize. Like you're looking at potentially 2.2 grams per kilogram in elderly people. That's yeah, a lot of protein. Ask my mom about that. I wouldn't qualify her as elderly. She's 64 now and she eats a lot of protein. 
When yeah. she first started tracking macros, she was making a lot of jokes. She usually does about how she needs to have a chicken farm in the backyard <laughs> and that she was going to eat the family cat because her protein demands were so high. I don't think Ivan would have a lot of protein on him. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. No. Not even as much as a rotisserie chicken. No. And it, like, it wouldn't be as delicious. I've never had cat before, but I, I can't like, imagine yeah. that it would be very tasty. Like, kind of like, I don't know. I don't want to think about eating the family cat okay. anymore. Yeah. So like hugely important as you get older. And then also women, because women tend to eat less meat. Women struggle. They consume less protein ad libitum than men do, which makes sense. And then, you know, also going through menopause sort of separate and aside from the aging process, which even they're concurrent for a lot of people. But protein is super helpful for insulin sensitivity against satiety. And because a lot of women reduce their training volume, intensity and activity level when they're going through menopause because you just don't feel as good. Keeping protein high sends signals to your body that's like, hey, retain that muscle mass. Keep that. Because, you know, the common feedback that we get is like, oh, I haven't changed anything, but I'm, you know, I'm gaining fat. I'm this and this. And it's like you have and it's your activity level and your training. And while, you know, you don't want to be forcing people into the gym and be like, you have to work out no matter what, because that's like just not OK. You know, protein does give you some amount of control over some part of that process. So keeping protein up is really helpful. And then also, it's not just protein, but there are other antioxidants, vitamins, minerals that are present in protein that are also very important. And if you just let protein intake go down and down and down and down and down, like those things start to impact you from an aging standpoint. I find like when a lot of people come and you give them even a, like a calorie target that is a deficit, let's say three to 400 calories, which is significant. Yeah. And they will likely feel hungry. And they hit their macros and they hit their fiber, mm -hmm. which usually is set between 30 and 35, depending. Yep. And then protein is usually set around one gram per pound of gold body weight, yep. which tends to be higher than 100 grams for most people. So if somebody comes in and they're hitting those targets, like they've done the planning, they figured it out, they've used our documents to find lean protein sources and all that, often they will say that they're feeling very full even though they're in a calorie deficit because fiber and protein, as you mentioned, is extremely filling. A lot of protein and fiber sources are high volume. If you think about like vegetables and things like that, where you get a lot of your fiber from. Yep. And then it takes a little bit longer to digest those things. So it leads you to feeling more satiated for longer after yep. meals, which is a really good thing when you're on a deficit. Yeah. If you're eating like cupcakes and muffins and cereal I mean, I've carb loaded before and I'm eating 30% more calories in a regular carb load and I feel hungry at the end of the day. Yeah. Even though it's an enormous amount of food, especially carbs can be somewhat voluminous. They just, I don't know, they just don't satiate you in the same way. Well, and you're, you're keeping fiber low in a carb yeah, load Yeah, I was going to well. say, you're doing simple carbohydrates in place of fibrous carbohydrates and protein. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, you're kind of an endless stomach at yeah. that point. It's crazy. It's inter I, very interesting. Some of my newer clients... These are my old ones. I'm switching to this approach. I don't even give them calories or carbohydrate targets or fat target. I literally just give a protein target and a fiber target because most people, if they are able to hit those targets, their calories are in the ballpark of what they should be and their carbs and their fat are in the ballpark of what they should be, assuming like the that they're selecting leaner 
protein options. It's the approach of inclusivity. Mm -hmm. So it's like you add lean protein, you add fruits and vegetables to hit your fiber target. You're full at meals. You feel satiated. There's not much room or desire even to eat things that are full of, I don't want to use the word empty calories, but like non-nutritious calories, highly palatable foods that have a lot of extra calories. Things that, that are really like provide a lot of nutrients. Higher calorie density. Yeah. Things like that. They're calories that are just easy to eat. You yeah. don't necessarily realize that you're eating them. White rice, incredibly difficult to eat. You know what's even harder? Potatoes. I know. Potatoes are impossible. Especially white potatoes. You don't even get as many carbs as you do with rice. And I'm like, God, I'm so tired of eating potatoes. I know. And it's how much ketchup do we have here? People, they just like poo poo all over white carbs. And And I'm I'm not talking French fries. No. French fries don't count. I'm talking like a baked potato. Or like baby potatoes. Baby potatoes are tough too. Yeah. We had them the other day and I was like, I'm exhausted from eating these. I know. Like you can put a cup and a half or even two cups of baby potatoes down on a plate, like that's not that many calories. And you are going to be so full that people are like, oh, I can't eat white potatoes. Like, why not? What's wrong with white potatoes? White rice. Eat white rice, a cup of white rice, three times a day with your meals. Stuffed. Anyways, I wish- but that's like, the, like, you can't be loading a baked potato. Here. No, it's not. You're not putting butter and sour cream and bacon bits. Like, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like, you cut up a baby potato, spray it with like a light bit of olive oil, Salt and pepper, put it in the oven. Air fry those bad boys mm-hmm. and then have them. I Sometimes think Sometimes potatoes give me hiccups because they're like so dry. Interesting. Yeah. I'm sure there's some science behind that. For you, I'm sure there's a cause. Yeah. <laughs> you and your damn esophagus, your diaphragm. Yeah. The hardest part for a lot of people who do that protein fiber approach is that most tracking apps, all tracking apps will still show you your calories and your other macros. So it's like, Building a tolerance for seeing those numbers and not getting attached to them or not, you know, starting to develop your own targets for them. That's really hard. And it's like, well, what we're looking to do is accept variability day to day and accept that it doesn't matter if you eat 2,600 calories one day and then the next day you eat 2,200 calories and the next day you eat 24. Especially if you're looking for maintenance. Yeah, because what you're looking at, even if you're looking for a, a deficit over time, like It's really better if we can look at weekly averages instead of just like getting really stuck on the daily stuff. But anyways, so that's an active practice that most people who use that method have to deal with is like, you're going to see them. I need you to not worry about them. And then over time, like what you see is that average like that. If you line graph it, which I like fat secret for that because they have the best visuals. It's like give that enough time and you'll be looking at a straight line. Yeah, I think the protein fiber idea is a good one. I've talked about my bias towards tracking macros is there's value in seeing those other numbers and seeing yeah. like, oh, if I do hit my protein and my fiber on a day, like everything just kind of falls into alignment. You know, my fat is in a good place. According to my nutrition coach, my carbs, you know, give me enough energy and that sort of thing. And you kind of know where your ballpark calories are so that if there is a day where you're like, shoot, I'm traveling, protein is hard to come by, then you can fall back on calories. Yeah. And be like, at least I'll try to shoot for my calorie target. That will make me feel good. And I know like that's, you know what that is. Yeah, yeah you still do your valid. best with protein. But I do like for like a general like day to day. Yeah. If someone's hitting their fiber and their protein, usually everything else is looking pretty good as well. And yeah. fat and carbs are fairly interchangeable. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. I like the fiber goal for people that have carb phobia too, because mm-hmm. I can have this conversation. I can say like, what do you know about fiber? And then the tummy, and then I'll tell a little more. And then we come to the agreement that fiber is very important for health. 
because of all the things that it does for your digestion. It reduces the risk of colon cancer. It improves triglycerides and cholesterol markers. And we really were like, yeah, fiber. I'm like, hey, so what do you think about a fiber goal of like, I don't know, 30 grams per day? We'll work up there. And they're like, yeah, that's going to be so great. And I'm like, it's fiber from food. Like we're not doing Metamucil. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. And then like the next day they're like, I see what you did. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> like, yeah, fiber comes from carbohydrates. Yeah. So if we're going to accept that dietary fiber is really important, we can't hold that truth and then also hold the truth that we shouldn't be eating carbohydrates. Yeah, because You're smart, Meredith. Look, not my <laughs> not my first rodeo, because if they can't both be true. Yeah. So we have to accept that carbs are a very important part of the diet. And that for the most part, like we want to pay attention to where they come from and get like, I mean, you could eat a lot of flaxseed and a lot of avocado and get that fiber in, but I don't want to know what your poops are going to look like. Can you imagine? (laughs) Whoa. I have a new favorite high fiber snack. Oh yeah. And it's mini, mini wheats. Like the mini version of mini. They're mini wheats, but they're mini, mini wheats. Or just the regular mini wheats, but they're not really mini to me anymore. Yeah, because you can only get like, for the regular mini wheats, you can only get two on a spoon. Yeah. The mini, mini wheats, if you do it right, you can get like four. And there is more surface area for frosting. That's true. So you do the mini, mini wheats with raspberries. Yeah. One of the best sources of protein. Won't even impact your macros. Alex, not protein. Fiber. Best sources of fiber. Raspberries are horrible for protein. My dad did think that there was protein in grapes once. Bless him. He still might. But yeah, fiber is high in raspberries. And then Fairlife, like 1% milk. Because Fairlife has like 12 grams of protein in one cup. There's also like Joya and A2 Milk Company. Because some people get all their panties in a lot over Fairlife because that video that came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. I usually buy the A2 because it's bigger. And like, life. we don't have as many options here in Canada, yeah, no, right? We so don't. do not jump down. Come to Fernie. Literally, Fernie, they don't have chicken thighs in Fernie right now. Fernie ran out of food they yesterday. Don't, <laughs> they didn't have ground beef at the store or buns. We need all the tourists to leave. So Please, thank you. Yeah, we were running around trying to find dinner last night. We called for takeout and this one place was like, uh, can't. <laughs> too busy yeah and all the other restaurants were closed yeah. and then we were like shoot i have to go to the grocery store and then the grocery store didn't have food it was but wild. we scavenged and found something decent yeah i got the last rotisserie chicken and the benefits of like feeding your animals really high quality pet food is like that's always an option yeah we do have some like raw cat food in the freezer that we could always thaw out we could yeah but what was i saying you were talking about mini wheats yeah that's a great snack yeah It's a really great snack. I used to eat regular shredded wheat. And then you understand why there's a mini wheat that (laughs) isn't actually that mini. Because they call them biscuits. You get them. It's in a regular cereal box, but you pull out this like pouch. It's Ted Lasso. It's one cereal. Yeah. And they call it a biscuit. You put it in the bowl. And the way I used to do it was I would get some like white sugar and I would sprinkle it on top. Of course, you would need sugar. Yeah. And do uh, like sliced strawberries or something. And then it's so bizarre to eat because you're like slicing this biscuit with a spoon, but it's not really sliceable because it is a wheat biscuit anyways. So that's how you got into the habit of cutting things with your fork. Most likely. Yeah. That's (laughs) something you do that. I. Although I don't eat cereal with forks. So I mean, forks and spoons are fairly interchangeable. They're both not knives. That's correct. But you wouldn't want to knife and spoon your shredded wheat. That would be weird. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, when you have like rice noodles, but you don't want to use the whole package. Yeah. It's like breaking that the mess that it makes. Yeah. That would be like breaking a cereal. True. So really quick, how do you get your protein in during the day? Like, what does that look like? Hmm. 
It used to be a little bit different because I used to have chicken sausage in the morning, but I got tired of those. Yeah. I have a first breakfast that's mainly carbs. Okay. And then I usually work out. And then my second breakfast is eggs with egg whites. So usually two eggs, like one to two egg whites, and then some sort of meat. So like lately we've been doing ham, Mm -hmm. sometimes back bacon, which is pretty much pure protein. And then that's usually a pretty good dose of protein. And then a big like glass of Fairlife milk with my coffee. I usually have like a big latte. I think that probably gets me. I haven't tracked that in a while, but probably like 35 grams. Yep. And then at lunch, I try to have some sort of protein with my sandwich, which is like 25. And then maybe I'll do like a Fairlife shake or protein shake or Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt and cashew is a really good protein meal. Sometimes I recommend that to vegetarians. I'm not a cottage cheese fan. I am. And then for dinner, it's usually like my highest protein meal, unless we do something weird like soup and grilled cheese. We try to do like a meat, a rice or a carb and a vegetable. And usually the meat is a pretty decent portion. And then I'll do either a high fiber snack or a high protein snack for dinner. I don't track, but I can usually look back and be like, hmm, I didn't really have a very high protein dinner. So I'm going to have Greek yogurt for snack. And that usually gets me pretty close. I usually aim for like 130 to 140. Yeah which is just under my body weight. And that usually keeps me feeling pretty good. There are days I have more. And then there are some days like days where I do really long runs where I just focus on carbs and I don't get as much protein. But as long as it's not becoming a pattern, I don't worry about it. Yep. What about you? I would say my meals are like around 30 grams per meal on average. I mean, our breakfast is pretty much the same. You have a high fiber first breakfast. Yeah. So I do raisin bran or mini wheats for like my morning my break fast, my like first meal. Yeah. And I would say between that and like my coffee with milk and then my snacks like yogurt, maybe a protein shake, you know, maybe before bed I'll do a yogurt or another bowl of cereal. It's like 90 grams for meals and then probably another 30 to 40 grams from snacks, maybe even more from snacks. Yeah. Usually for most people, I say, especially for women who tend to have a lower protein target because they're smaller, it's like 30 grams per meal, three meals a day. That's 90 grams. You get 20 grams in from a protein shake. Yeah. And sometimes even more, if you're having more, you could do two scoops after your workout and that gets you up to 130. And then a cup of Greek yogurt and cashew gets you up to like 150 or 160. It's not that hard. No. For men, it's just bigger portions. I think what's hard for people is that protein almost always has to either be pre-prepared or refrigerated. When people don't have a meal prep routine or they rely on convenience foods, that's when you run into trouble with protein just because you're not going to get a lot. And then usually meals out, they go quite light on the protein because that's the most expensive part of the meal typically when we travel we usually either bring protein powder or we buy yogurt at the grocery store or the gas station put it in our fridge and have that for snacks and have protein bars and things on hand you can get greek yogurt now that has like 40 grams of protein i know it's not not the tastiest it's not the best but they're not the worst but then they're like you can also get fair life shakes at convenience stores a lot when we are in airport lounges, sometimes I'll just like grab a pile of boiled eggs yeah. and just like eat the egg whites. I mean, it's like you're not always going to be eating meals when you're serious about protein intake. Like sometimes you are going to be sort of like, well, I got to <laughs> I got to scalp these boiled eggs so I can, you know, get in another 30 or 40 grams before I fly. But that's just you get used to doing that kind of thing. It's, and it's- not like food is many things. 
And some people will argue that food is not just fuel. You know, some people say food is fuel. Well, it's not just fuel. It's a lot of things. It's family. It's social time. It's enjoyment. It's comfort. It's whatever. It's connection. But sometimes food is fuel. And sometimes like eating hard-boiled egg whites is what's going to make you feel good when you get home from your travels and you say, I did actually a pretty good job. I feel pretty good going back into my regular schedule. Like that's okay. It's okay to do that stuff. Some people might say like, oh, you're really weird or that's disordered. It's not. Yeah. It's what makes you feel good. And it's what's going to make you feel good for a long time because you're going to have muscle as you age and you're going to be strong and active for a long time. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to eat hard boiled egg whites all the time. Yeah. It's in a pinch. In a pinch. So anyways, New York Times protein quiz, you can go take it. Now you know all the answers. You'll ace it, but gonna, I guess, agree to disagree on the takeaway with the caveat that I do think people could benefit from more plant-based options, whole grains, things like that, because not only do those foods also help with protein, it means you're eating less meat products, you're doing less chewing, it's less of a chore. Most of those Foods also have a lot of fiber. Remember when you went on a lentil kick? I love lentils. Look, like I always tell people, I mean, you want to drop a few pounds? Lentils. Yeah, and potatoes. Yeah. Lentils are like oatmeal for me. It's like I'll be really into them, and then it's like someone flips a switch. I'm like, nope, can't do lentils anymore. That's what happened to me with chicken sausage. Yeah, happens occasionally. I have hyperfixation foods, but not so much anymore because I'm on medication. All right. Well, thanks for this one. You did great on the quiz. I don't think you're an idiot, even if you don't know what amortization is. <laughs> I mean, means. I know what it is now. And my favorite quote, get ready. I'm going to nail it. Live and learn. Wow. Live and learn. It's a great quote. University Words I live by. Every day. Even when you learn the hard way. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you learned something from this and we will catch you on the next one.